Hello, podcast listeners. Before this episode starts, we just want to give you a quick heads up that we pre-recorded this episode a while ago, and it's going up way later than we initially planned due to life and college happening. So if you're listening to these in real time as they go up and we're talking about dates and events that don't quite line up with the present, that is why. We still felt like this info was super important and kind of relevant to the upcoming final exams, so we decided to go ahead and post it now. Now, better late than never. Hello, and welcome to the Challenge Solutions Podcast. My name is Caitlin. I'm joined by Cole and Macy. And today we're going to talk about all things school, from basic organization and study tips to presentations to papers to exams. Uh, So to start us off, we're just going to share a story of a time when we did a terrible assignment on a really tight deadline and somehow managed to be successful at it anyway. Cole, do you want to tell us about your procrastination situation or just (laughs) super tight deadline situation and... Yep, I got it. I um so at the for my fall semester for finals, my fall semester, it's my first finals ever. It was I had a theater final that was open. It was an open note and open book. So it was not a very difficult final. Uh, but it opened at midnight and I happened to be awake super late as college kids tend to do. <laughs> and I took my theater final at 2 a.m., got an A, and then felt like I was on such a roll that I took, uh, I recorded my final speech, my 15-minute final speech uh, for my public speaking class at 4 a.m. and also got an A on that. And so that was was probably my best, uh, I guess, uh, academic feat, if you will. That's like the opposite of procrastination. That's like- I guess, yeah, way ahead of time. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to do it as early as possible. (laughs) Well, I was just like- I was just awake, you know, I, I wasn't tired. And I was like, I mean, I might as well get this done and then wake up and not have to deal with it. After that I makes so much sense. Yeah. And sometimes when you're like up at that hour, you're like riding a high, you know, your brain is at top functionality sometimes. Sometimes, like yes, yeah, sometimes. And sometimes Other times, I think it is and it's opposite. really not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, well, I've just... taken like tests at those hours and like written things at those hours, but I don't think I've ever recorded anything at that hour. And I'm very afraid <laughs> to do so because- Sometimes I think I'm doing great, and then turns out later the words coming out of my mouth don't actually make any sense. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure I've recorded challenge solutions content at that. I hour. definitely have. That's how I know I should never do it for school. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. This one time I took a U.S. history class online, and my goal was to not have any work on the weekends. Right. Um, and it was a summer class, so I didn't have a whole lot to do. But so I would like do whatever I wanted with my friends or whatever in the day. And then I would sit down at like 8 p.m. every night, chug a glass of coffee and literally did the whole class between like 8 p.m. and 4 a.m. Love and it. Passed it with an A. Barely there with you an go. A. But hey, with an A. <laughs> hey, a 91 is good as a 99. I'm just saying. That's right. I think it was like a nine. I think it was like a 92 or 93. So. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. solid pretty good for literally working in the middle of the night every time yeah I have definitely done a lot of things at odd hours of the night but usually those are okay I'm not typically one to like procrastinate 
things. I just sometimes don't quite literally don't have time to deal with things as early as I would like to and therefore end up in a time crunch. I think Mm -hmm. my greatest feat is probably making a B on a linguistics project that was absolutely horrendous and that through no fault of my own I ended up doing very close to the deadline in a rush on a lot of copy basically (laughs) it was a group assignment I had a partner Uh but we were supposed to interview the speaker of a foreign language and like have them translate sentences for us and explain the grammatical structure of their language and we were supposed to write a big research paper on it Interesting. And I think it had to be like 10 pages long. And then we had to give a presentation on it. And there were all these super detailed guidelines. And we weren't able to meet with our interview subject until like a week before the deadline. So we got one interview in. We were supposed to have three. And then he didn't do our sentences right. And we didn't realize that until we had three days left. Oh, Uh, We ended up just completely winging it. Google translated 80% of that paper, (laughs) uh, wrote stuff to the best of our ability based on Google and got up and did a 20 minute presentation off the cuff, having very little clue what we were actually talking about, but just (laughs) reciting stuff that we had read and seen on YouTube. And somehow, some way we made an 85 and I've never been happier to see a B on a paper. Mm, that oh, is validating yes. right there that is that's impressive it was yeah. i was shocked i was prepared to pass that class with a 70 and i was going to be happy about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well. i i think the worst thing that i have ever done academically or like the most the craziest i guess yeah, was last semester like this past semester my first semester of college I guess part of this was procrastination. I would be lying if I said I spent every single minute working, but I did spend a lot of time working, but I did not understand the music major life. I did not understand how many things I was going to have to do and how many places I was going to have to be. So anyway, needless to say, I'm not a procrastinator, but last semester (laughs) I came down to, I'd written five papers in a week and it was the first day of finals week. Mm -hmm. And that day (laughs) I had to finish this huge research paper that I say was huge. It really, it was like 1500 words, but I was clueless about what I was writing about, like absolutely winging it a hundred percent. It was so bad. And so I started writing that. I played a jury that day, which is where music majors have to like perform to get their final grade for just like being a music major, basically. Um, So I had a very, very stressful performance that day. And then I, after the performance, after I was hysterically laughing and being super nervous, I sat down and wrote the rest of that paper I had to do. It was due at five and I turned it in at 4.50. (laughs) Oh, oh, it was so, it was, I was sitting at the table, like with people there, they were talking and everything. And I was just like typing. I was just going. Going at it. (laughs) Turn that sucker in. Ended up making a 23 out of 25 on it. Thank goodness. There you go. Then after that was turned in, I took another final. And then after that final, I got Starbucks. (laughs) And then (laughs) I studied for another final that I had at eight in the morning, the next morning. Like it was crazy. Mm. Somehow managed to make A's on everything I did, but I don't remember any of it. Like it was one of the most stressful. I'm talking like time crunch supreme. Yeah. It was, 
but it's I one did of those it. things where you just go unconscious and you're just like, well, I think I did it. Yeah, I literally, and I, I had messed up and not written my papers. And so I'd written so many, like the week before I hadn't slept in so long. Yep. It was a true college experience right there, but yep. I managed to do it. So hopefully I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As someone in my final semester, I can say that you will definitely do that again every semester. You just, you cannot <laughs> win. There's always a finals week time crunch. <laughs> But you figure yeah. it out. You figure it out. You usually are okay at the end of it. You pass everything, usually. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I've never failed a final. I will say that. There you go. That's good. I made some C's, but, you know, that was in astronomy and geology, and we don't talk about that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Those are not very blind-friendly mm-hmm. courses. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Neither is nonverbal communication, <laughs> which I'm about to take. Well, I did take a class last year where we watched a scene from Jaws with no sound and then compared it to with the sound and then with the music. Uh, But I never really understood what was happening (laughs) in the scene because I didn't know what harpooning was. And so I thought, yeah, I had no idea. And so I thought people were like trying to wrangle a shark, like (laughs) Like, like a lasso and all just like throwing it on him. Yeah, I used the word wrangle in my description of what was happening. I was so confused. I raised my hand and I was like, um, I can't see this. And then he told me to do my best, but I did not do it well. But he gave me full credit. So I think he understood that he went wrong somewhere. <laughs> According to what I imagine, they're really trying to wrangle this shark in. <laughs> Yeah, I also said, this music does not seem appropriate for a scene in which a giant shark is being wrangled in. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> yeah, it was extremely, I realized, and then in the class discussion, when everyone else started talking, I realized that I goofed, so I raised my hand and I was like, so I think I did this whole analysis wrong, but I can safely say that I decided the music was not appropriate because I thought this was happening, but uh, clearly it was. So yeah, it was, it was very awkward. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is hilarious. Anyway, so now that we've given y'all some entertainment and hopefully made you feel better about yourselves, or at least given you some sort of commiseration, uh, we're going to move into talking about some actually useful tips on (laughs) just like basic organization, time management. How do you guys like, keep up with everything that you're expected to keep up with and not drown in everything last minute for the majority (laughs) of the semester. Like, yeah, there's always the finals week crunch, but how do y'all handle just like the basic daily grind of school? What's your time management, time management and organization tips? Yeah. For the basic day to day, uh, this was something that I believe I touched on in an earlier podcast where I talked about It might be good for some people. Everyone kind of works differently. So you kind of have to find a system that works well for you. What worked well for me, my first semester of college 
was setting up classes. Now, I also, all of my classes were online that semester, so it's a little bit different, but I set up classes to where I had about two hours between them. And so I was able to do a class and then right afterwards do homework or studying or completing anything directly relating to that class right afterwards. And then I would go into another class and kind of get to, you know, refresh and do everything based on that class. So I didn't have to do two or three classes and then go back and do homework for those three classes uh, later that day or the next day or something like that. And so that worked really well for me, my first semester, kind of getting through that day to day. Yeah, I work in a really similar way. Even now that I'm on campus, I prefer to not be doing any one thing for too long. So if I can sit for a little while and do my homework and then have a class and then maybe go practice and then have a class and then do more homework and then have a class, that's going to be the way that I'm probably most productive because then when I get onto like unproductive spurts, like they don't last very long. I can't fall asleep or like start talking to people and forget what I need to be doing because I always have somewhere that I'm supposed to be. I know that some people prefer to have all of their classes on one day or two days of the week. I think Mm -hmm. that's what Caitlin actually prefers. I, well, first of all, there's no way for me to do that because music majors, (laughs) I'm taking nine classes to get my 15 hours. So there's going to be stuff every day, (laughs) but Yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother can of worms. Um, But Mm -hmm. when it's like that, but honestly, I function best, I feel, when I have to get up every day and I have to interact with people and leave my dorm. So I will always try to arrange my schedule so that I have things every day. So that way I'm up every day, I'm working every day, and I'm in a productive mindset and have a good routine every day. So that's a personal thing. As far as managing my time and keeping up with the million and two things that I do um, all (laughs) all semester, I use iCal. I put everything in the calendar of my phone. At our university, when you enroll in classes, it actually has a little button that you click that Mm -hmm. says create iCal link or add to iCal or something like that. And literally you push that button and then all of your classes just go into your calendar. And so that is super nice. And I use that all the time. And then I add everything else I need to do. So then when I look at my week, I can see, okay, I have this, this, and this, this day. Um, And then after classes, I have this at eight or whatever. And so that helps me to be able to plan. And then I can plan, when am I going to get lunch? What am I going to do in these gaps and kind of have a good mental idea? So that's kind of what I do to stay organized as far as time goes. Right. Yeah. I think using the calendar is really advantageous to get, get ahead on what you're going to like in knowing what you're going to be doing at what time. is. Yeah. I also, like Macy said, I prefer to have at least one day a week where I don't have classes that I have to be in in person I try to mm-hmm. arrange it to where I either have Monday Wednesday Friday classes or I have Tuesday Thursday classes but I'm not going to class every single day of the week right I just function better when it's like that I want to have at least one day a week where I am not obligated to be in a classroom because I like having just a day to dedicate to 
doing everything that I need to do for right. all the classes. Like if there's a paper that week, I like having just a day to sit down and dedicate to it or just a day to like do all the little things that I'm expected to do for all of my classes. And I also usually have at least one online class. So it's good to just have a day to be like, okay, this is online sociology day. Yeah. And I'm going to do everything for this class today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really like having that time. And then also it's just good. Well, I have other autoimmune disorders in play that make me really, really, really tired when I just do all the things and go all the places and have all of the like stress of mental functioning for school on top of physical exercise on top of just daily life stuff. So it's good to have a day where I can just not go places. Um, But it also is just good to not have to think about like all of the extra things that come with traveling blind. If you have a guide dog, you don't have to worry about making sure you have kibble on you if you're going to be out past their supper time or just Mm -hmm. basic things like that. I like having that downtime. Um, This semester, I have only Tuesday, Thursday classes. Tuesdays are going to be brutal. I'm going to spend 12 hours on campus at a time, but I will (laughs) have the rest of the days to just take care of stuff for those classes. I also use iCal for everything. I used to use Fantastical, but now iCal has gotten really good. So I like it a lot and I have been, I used it all last semester. And I also use a to-do list app because I like having checkboxes for assignments, especially if I can make subtasks like for papers and things like that that are bigger projects. I used to use uh, Habitica, which is like a gamified habit tracker to-do list thing it's super accessible they're really dedicated to making it work well with voiceover Hmm. Uh, so love that you can do all kinds of like habit tracking and subtasks and different things carrot to-do is also really good i use that for a while but it's not as like in-depth but last semester now that apple has added like subtasks to your reminders list i literally made a reminders list for every single class And then within each list, I just put the like assignments and all the little things that I would have to do for each assignment with the due dates in the reminders thing Mm -hmm. and checked it off throughout the semester. So I could see like at a glance what I had to do. I also make like a weekly to-do list in Braille with a slate and stylus. I do sort of a modified like Braille bullet journal type situation. If y'all want more info about how I set that up, I'd be happy to do a video on it, but I'm just, I'm a dork and I like that, but you don't have to do that and it is kind of time consuming so right yes I definitely agree I think that habit trackers and to-do list makers are really good can definitely be very beneficial word of warning not a single one of my teachers gave us a course calendar last year last semester Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I I thought that was a thing that everyone would do and I would be able to put every single assignment in there Um, but that is not how Not everybody that yeah. works. No, none of my classes did that. Mm-hmm. So then I ended up having to focus more on weekly to-do lists. Mm-hmm. I would set my goals for the papers and things, which I uh, didn't end up meeting um, based on what I've explained previously in this podcast, <laughs> right. but you know, definitely take those big projects and break them down into smaller ones and have yes. those weekly goals. But then remember that you might have other things to do also. So oh, depending on how strict your teachers follow their course calendar slash if they make them just know that your to-do list could change and 
you're going to have to be flexible to go along with that. Yeah. And I think another good thing about to-do lists is uh, just like the satisfaction, like the physical ability to like check something off and to get it done, especially when it comes to bigger projects, because you get to see your progress. Like, all right, I've got this done. I've got this done. You know what I mean? And it's fun in a way to check things off of a list, you know? Yes. And I think, you know, for this year, uh, I'm really going to try to focus on getting ahead if I can. Like, I've already done a couple of syllabus quizzes and classes haven't even started yet. Nice. Um, and so, I know, I know. I'm really proud of myself. So I'm really going to try to be, like, ahead of things. Similar to Caitlin, actually, this year I have classes on just Tuesday and Thursdays. And I have an online class. Uh, but that's it. So I don't have any class on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. And so I'm going to try to use those days during times when other, like my friends and stuff like that are in classes and use that time as a time to really try to get ahead in things. Because for me, my greatest weakness is socially getting distracted, just like hanging out with people or going to dinner. And then I'm like, oh, let's go see a movie. And then we go see a movie and then we get back and it's midnight and I've got an assignment due, you know, next morning or something like that. And I'm like, ah, where did the time go? And so being able to do assignments during the day when other people are going to be in classes, like those Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I feel like is going to be super helpful for me to get uh, ahead this year. So that's going to be something I try to focus on. Yeah. I think getting ahead is one of the most important things you can do. Um, That is also Mm -hmm. my goal this semester because (laughs) that's not (laughs) what happened last semester. So we are doing our best to actually be ahead of the schedule this semester. Um, But I agree, actually, the social temptation in college is so bad. When I was in high school, I went to a really small school and I lived in a really small town, so I wasn't really used to being in a place where there was always something to do. You know, someone had to come get me if I wanted to go somewhere, or I had to specifically plan to stay after school or, you know, do that on purpose. But then when I'm home, I'm still home. You know, the school thing ends at 11. I mean, maybe we go to like Taco Bell or something, but that's not going to be an every night thing. And so- there was a lot of time when I'm just at home and then, you know, there's not that much to do. I'm going to get everything done. When I came to college, I think part of the reason why I struggled so much with time management last semester was because there was always something. There was always a group of people that was doing something. People were always going to dinner. They were always going to a movie. And I like hanging out with people and socializing. I don't want to pass those opportunities up, especially freshman year when Mm -hmm. you're trying to make friends and you don't really know who your people are. So you're doing everything with everyone and every university activity and department activity. And I think sometimes it's important to know that you have to say no to some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating, but you have to make priorities as to what you want to do and who you want to do it with, because there are too many people for you to be everyone's best friend. And there are too many things for you to do with everyone. You will never have time to get your assignments done. Yeah. Lesson learned the hard way. (laughs) Don't have time to do everything. (laughs) Yes. Right. And I will say that on the flip side of that, it's also really important to find balance. Yes. Yes. You need to find a good balance between that stuff. I have a tendency to prioritize school above everything else Mm -hmm. and then I run into the issue of I am just so exhausted by the time I get done with all my schoolwork that I don't want to do anything else because as I mentioned I have a host of other issues thanks autoimmune disorders um (laughs) so at that point like I kind of put my social life on the back burner which is also not a good thing like I am an introvert I 
don't like people, but <laughs> right. you do have to like, you, you know, people are good. You need people and you should make an effort to maintain your relationships with people if at all possible. So um, <laughs> yes, definitely yeah. strive for balance. Don't just like prioritize one over the other, but you do have to like, you're ultimately here to learn. So learning is important and there will be weeks where you just cannot with anything else other than school because welcome to college but it is important to like I think that's another reason to get ahead is so that when you do want to do things and you like really want to do things with these people you have a cushion so you're not going to get behind if you go out and watch a movie one night yeah or if even just like assignment comes up or something's not accessible there are a lot of things that'll randomly come up that really can throw you behind so being ahead will help you have kind of insurance for those types of situations right Yes. yes. What assignment insurance? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. And kind of along the lines of what Caitlin was saying, if you are a little more introverted or you're very, you know, I'm going to put school first, I'm going to do that. Well, that's how I was before college. So don't count on it staying like that. But uh-huh. also if that is kind of how you are, I really recommend getting involved in something like join a club for something that you really like to do or mm-hmm. find a cool group of people and make a goal for yourself to socialize because honestly that's going to be really good for your mental health and you need to have those people and there are going to be times when you do need help because being blind is hard sometimes man (laughs) sometimes you just really want someone to take you to target and help you find bananas (laughs) (laughs) i feel like there's an anecdotal story to this yeah (laughs) oh dear Uh, But yeah, I definitely think getting involved in things is super beneficial if you have things that you want to get involved in. My department actually doesn't have a ton of stuff to just do. Like we don't really have clubs or anything. The clubs we had kind of disbanded. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really have opportunities to do stuff with people in my degree field. Like I was, it's a huge department. Like we have a lot of people, but we're never like brought together in one place. So it was really Mm -hmm. hard for me to like connect with other English majors. But Mm -hmm. I actually found a group of people who always like sat in the union and played like board games. They had a board game night and uh, were just super cool people. One of them was another writer and Mm -hmm. they approached me in the union one day and I kind of just made them my tribe of people and they were like my humans for my freshman year it was a pretty eh, pretty good sized group and that was super super nice and I prioritized doing stuff with them like I knew that I could go to the union in the morning, there would be someone from that group and I could sit and drink my coffee and they were the kind of people that I could like talk to while I did stuff for my classes and it was fine. And I think that was super, super helpful. Unfortunately, they all either graduated, moved away, transferred schools or otherwise left me and now I am adrift because I don't have another group and that's very unfortunate. But if you can just find people like that make it a habit of doing something with them even just once or twice a week it will really really help you and you can call them when you need someone to go to target and help you find bananas (laughs) (laughs) yes this was something i was told going into college a teacher in high school told me in college there are three things and you only get two of them and those three things are a social life good grades and sleep (laughs) yes And, and so that is 
True, but for me, I kind of found that you can you can almost make that into like a week to week basis. So I have weeks where I'm getting a lot of sleep and a lot of good grades, but I'm not talking to a soul, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm hanging out and getting good sleep, but I've missed a couple of assignments, right? In things like that, or you get those weeks, those crunch time weeks where you just don't sleep and you're you still get to, you know can talk to people and get good grades and stuff like that. But being able to find a good balance as much as you can of those. Th- three things I feel like is, is, is really important. Yes, I agree. It's definitely worth, I like that you pointed that out because physical health is important. Mental health is important. Sleep yeah. is important. Food is yep. important. Like, I feel like sometimes in college, we kind of take Heislow's hierarchy of needs and like flip it upside down. Like the pyramid yep. is, yeah. uh, is balanced on the tip. And we're like, yep. what does life mean? What is life? I need friends. I need love and affection. Uh, food, sleep, water, those can wait. <laughs> um, no, and I'm as guilty as anyone for doing that. But really, I like Cole the way you said, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to do that all the time. Like take a week, decide that you're going to sleep eight hours every week and you're going <laughs> to turn in all your assignments anyway and yeah. do that. And yeah. then take a week and decide that you're going to talk to people And you're going to have good grades because your grades are like super important. I really don't recommend sacrificing those if you can help it, but right. Of course. um, But you know, it happens sometimes, but just, you don't have to, what am I saying? Sorry. You don't have to do all the things and be perfect at all the things all the time. It's okay to let stuff slide on a week to week or day to day basis based on what's more important to you in that moment. Yeah. I think what comes first is your health. And so and that, and that, you know, is involved with sleep and eating, but also I think, you know, social interaction and mental health is sometimes undervalued, um, that I think yes, is, is sure. extremely important in maybe switching, you know, you want to keep grades. You're paying a lot of money to go to college. <laughs> yeah. um, Some of your funding might be riding on grades. Like you might have scholarships that are great yes, like yep. I do. And if you yep. let it slide too far, then you are losing a lot of money. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so maybe alternating between having, you know, having a week of good grades and sleep and then the other week of good grades and social life. You know what I mean? Just alternate and, and, and try your best to, to make sure that you are still every now and then, you know, checking, uh, checking yourself and being like, Hey, have I gotten good sleep right lately? Have I been eating well, you know, and just yes. being able to check on yourself. I will also recommend using something like sleep cycle alarm clock that will like yes. track yep. your sleeping mm-hmm. patterns and show you because it's, it really does make a difference when you get the reality check of an app saying, hey, you've averaged three hours of sleep and that's not smart. You should really fix this. And yeah. it really does make a difference. And sleep is important. Like you hear that all the time from people and you kind of blow it off. But as a college student in my final semester, I was given that reality check very quick that it was not okay for me to average three hours of sleep a night. And I was not going to be okay if I continued doing it. And you don't have to hit eight hours every day. Of course, that's ideal, but try to make a habit of getting a semi-reasonable amount of sleep if you can. So sleep, sleep is really important. It is the human charging. <laughs> it, it is the human charger and, uh, you know, uh, getting, getting good sleep, I think really affects all aspects of sleep your life. and nutrition are very yeah. valuable. Anyways, I think we've really, really talked about that. I think next in terms of with schooling, I think we should talk about presentations and paper writing. Yeah. We've rambled about sleep and socialization and time management for a really long time. So 
presentation tips and your general process for writing papers, especially like large research papers. Yeah. Uh, Macy, I know you've written a lot of these. So like, what's your general process for papers? I know you've done like five in a week, so you should be a pro. (laughs) Well, I think the fact that I did five in a week (laughs) says that I was going for quantity over quality in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I have written a lot of them and I've taken a lot of classes in high school, especially where I wrote them. But I really don't have a problem with writing them. I think the most important thing is to find your sources first. Figure out what you're going to quote and then mold your paper around that. Because Mm -hmm. the hardest part of writing a research paper, in my opinion, is finding the sources. And the frustrating thing is it's not even that the sources aren't there. It's that the sources aren't accessible. And that is the most frustrating thing. Like JSTOR, one of the biggest online databases that we use for scholarly articles, completely inaccessible. The whole website's fine, but then you can't actually read any of the articles. And then things like Google Scholar are accessible, but sometimes you don't have access to everything that you want to have access to through your institution. It's just... It can be a whole mess, especially when your professors have really specific guidelines for Mm -hmm. what they want for your sources. Do your digging early because even for me, like the articles that I had found on JSTOR, had I sent those to the Center for Educational Access, they could have converted it for me. They could have made them accessible, but I didn't have time. They need time, yeah. Yes, I just had to do the best I could with what I had. So keep that in mind, start with your sources. And once you've found five sources or however many sources you need that support whatever point you want to make, then start breaking it down into your smaller points and making an outline of, okay, I can talk about this in this paragraph and this in this paragraph. And that's the process that I use. Right. I would say like for research and getting sources, one of the biggest things for me that has been extremely helpful is at least in terms of with our university, the UARC library has been very, very helpful. A lot of tuition money goes to the library, so you're paying a lot for it, so you might as well use it. It's been very good for me in helping me get those uh, resources for research papers. So do you go through the library and then choose from the databases that we have there, or do you search specifically within our library? I search within our library, so I can look up and I can, you can filter your search, or at least I can with the website for the University of Arkansas to be like, it could be a a newspaper or books or things like that. And then you can search by keywords, which is super helpful for finding research on specific topics. And then it brings up a huge long list of things and then you can go look through them all. Yeah, that's definitely really helpful. I think I was having to use specifically music articles from music journals. So I had to use music databases to find them. But we also have something called interlibrary loan. So if you're needing something physically from our library and then you're going to have that converted, they can get it from other libraries. And our library is really pretty good. We have a lot. And most big colleges and universities do. When I did some college classes through tech, they had a really good library that was really inaccessible. But um, (laughs) A lot of good at this. Yeah, I will say that the accessibility of most library databases like that is not great. Like ours is doable. It's just kind of a mess in my experience. It's a little wonky. It's a little weird. But also (laughs) 
I have found that the librarians on campus are super helpful mm. if stuff is inaccessible. Like Macy said, you can do interlibrary loans, so you can get stuff to the CEA if you have time. But I have also had to like call them or go in there and have them help me navigate the database when it was like super inaccessible. And I've had like inaccessible articles that were shorter and they've just read them to me. So that is an option. If it comes to that, you can work with your libraries, librarians. Most <laughs> of the time, the librarians are going to be super grateful to have something different to do and Right, will yeah. be more than happy to sit with you and help you do your research. Right. And something else I did, um, if you're, you know, on your last week or whatever, or <laughs> this was actually early in my research process when I realized that, oh, no, things weren't going to be accessible. I bought a classmate a latte and said, hey, uh, you want to come sit at Starbucks with me and help me find sources? I will yep. pay for your latte and get you lunch or whatever. And mm -hmm. we did mm -hmm. that. And it was really helpful. And again, that's a situation where having a group of people can be really helpful or just literally I texted the class group me and I said, Hey, can anyone do this? And then someone did. So don't be afraid to ask your classmates for help too. They can be some of the best resources because they know exactly what the assignment is and exactly, exactly what the teacher yeah. wants just yeah. like you do. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Definitely connect with your classmates, even if they're not going to be your besties after the class, even if you don't like them as people and you don't want to be their friends, <laughs> be nice to your classmates, play yep. nice, participate, talk in the group me, make the group me. I instigate the group me's in most of my classes because I need those people and I need to be able to contact those people if I have questions because, you know, sometimes things are handwritten on the board and there are pictures posted and I need to know what they say. And sometimes like stuff is inaccessible and I just need to know what it is on the fly to know how concerned I should be about it. Um, <laughs> right. Things like that. You need to be on like good communication terms with your classmates in every single class if you can make that happen. Right. And having a group chat like that too it's not just going to be helpful for you. It's going to be helpful for everyone. Exactly. And it's not just going to help you with your blind student questions. It's going to help you when you realize that you can't find this one answer on the study guide and yep. you need it tomorrow. And you can text those people and say, did anyone get the answer? I had one of my hardest classes. Um, there was one student in the class who filled out the study guide for the midterm and the final. She was all of our saviors and she sent it ha. out to the whole class. Yep. If you can be that person, because like, I will forever love her for that. Right. <laughs> and yeah. would happily do anything she asked for the help that she gave and the time that that saved me. But also it's a way to say, hey guys, I'm blind, but I just filled out this entire study guide. So if you guys want it, here it is. Definitely. I actually have made like collaborative documents. I use Google Docs because it's mainstream and everybody knows how to use Google Docs and it's an easy collaboration tool for everyone. Right. Uh, don't recommend trying to actively collaborate in a document with your entire class. That is a garbage <laughs> fire looking for a place to happen right there. But I made like the study guide with all of my notes. It was like a really, really 
hard literary analysis class who knew what was going to be on that final that professor was very fond of picking obscure quotes and making us identify where they came from and analyze them and I took mm -hmm. all of my notes because I'd been taking really good notes and I knew most of the class had not been because he just went into the zoom room and talked at you for an hour and you were expected to keep up and I put them in a google doc out of my word document and just dropped that in the group chat and said hey let's all add to this and then everybody else threw their notes in on top of mine. I didn't actively have to participate in the collaborative Google Doc, but I was able to download it later and see what everybody, what everybody had added. Did. And yeah. we had like a really comprehensive study guide with all right. of our notes together. Right. And since we've kind of transitioned from papers to studying in general, I strongly am a supporter of study groups. Mm, and yeah. I did that for that hard class. And honestly, we had a couple study groups. A lot of them were just us going through our notes and then checking our notes at the end. So we verbally compared them, but we mm -hmm. literally sat in a room, got some popcorn, got some candy, got some yep. drinks yep. and then like studied. And so then this really laborious task of preparing for a test has turned into something that's kind of fun. And it fills the two out of our three things that we need, right? Because you're studying for the grades and, and you're socializing. There you go. Definitely, yes. I strongly recommend that whenever you can put it together. For sure. Right. Even if you put together a virtual study group, that can still be super helpful because then no one has to like get to a place and people mm -hmm. can do it like if they're working virtually or something like that, they can pop in and out as they need to. Um, but you're still getting studying done when we were all virtual again for the same literary analysis class or no, it was a different one with the same professor, brutal class, absolutely awful workload, horrendous final. One of the worst finals I've ever taken. I texted the group me and said, Hey, y'all want to like make a zoom room and quiz each other over this. And we did, we spent like three hours on that zoom call and all had our snacks and stuff like that. And just quizzed each other on yep. the course material. And then we also did the same thing for the same linguistics class that I talked about earlier with the terrible, terrible paper. The final was spontaneously made virtual last minute. And we were all like, well, we're going to make a zoom and collaborate on the study guide that now that we have it virtual and can Google stuff. Yep. <laughs> so we all did that and it was super helpful. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Things like that is really good. I know whenever I was completely online, my first fall semester, we spoke to the professor for my B-Law class and some of us would just stay on the Zoom after class ended right. and just studied right then and there. Cause we were all already there and that was super helpful, especially like for my first, first semester, I was able to become friends with a couple of people that were in my class who also were in a couple of my other classes. Cause typically, you know, say majors um, and stuff like that. And so getting those connections and being friends with people in your major uh, is super helpful. For sure. It's super helpful in general. And another thing that we have is as music majors, we kind of have our own building and a lot of other majors that can happen in quiet classrooms get thrown together because <laughs> um, right. ours is typically loud. But oftentimes there are spaces where specific majors can kind of congregate and yep. you're going to have mostly people of that major there. And I recommend spending as much time in those spaces as possible because it is so nice to be able to look at upperclassmen who've maybe taken the same class that's required for your major, possibly with the same professor and be like, yep. yeah, you know, I'm working on this. Do you have any tips? One of the papers that I was doing 
Um, of course, the assignments don't really change much year to year. So mm -hmm. an upperclassman sent me their paper and I didn't obviously plagiarize their paper or anything like that, but it gave format. me a really good idea. Yeah. Of what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And the same thing can happen when you're studying for tests and things like that. I also had an upperclassman who took that really hard music and society class um, mm -hmm. that was quizzing me over my study guide. And she said, I think you have one of these answers wrong on the study guide. And I said, oh, and she said, yeah, I think it's this. And I looked it up and she was definitely right. So I was so grateful that oh, that's really helpful. Yeah. Yes, I had an upperclassman and just spending time with people who either are where you are or have been where you are. So you can mm -hmm. talk about those things and kind of also help form that group of people that you have a similar interest with. Yeah, well, we've kind of spiraled from papers into studying, but do we want to go on and talk about presentations? Because I know like presentations are really hard for a lot of blind students. And yeah, yeah we've no, all sure. done a lot of them, I think, at this point. So like, yeah. what are you guys like best presentation tips? Cole, you've done a lot of public speaking. So yeah, yeah. Well, first. typically, you know, for uh, my public speaking classes, I, you know, I think a big thing with presentations is also um, creating like PowerPoints and stuff like that. I didn't do too many PowerPoints specifically with my public speaking class where I did all of my speeches, but I think the best tip I can give people is especially when it's like a, a memorized script that you're going through because you know, some sighted people, they'll be able to just look back at their, at their PowerPoint and I don't do that. Um, and so what I've done, and I think the most helpful thing, especially when it comes to memorizing things is to create, of course, have your outline of things and break it down by kind of category. So you have proper outline, you have like Roman numeral, like I, you have category, and then you have a, B, and C, and then subcategory one, two, and three for each of those. And so memorizing that is super helpful because if you try to memorize things word for word, you're more likely to stumble over not getting the exact wording correct. And that is not what you want to do during a presentation or a speech. Instead, you want to know what you're trying to say, and then you can say it however you want to during the speech. Yes, I agree with that. A hundred percent. Also, something else that I do, if I'm giving like a PowerPoint presentation, right. usually I make those in Keynote on my Mac or my iPad. So I will Bluetooth a Braille display, or I use a BrailleSense Polaris, but you could use whatever Braille display you have to that device. And then I go through the slideshow with my Braille display as the teacher is going through it on the board. So that mm -hmm. way I can see my PowerPoint but I don't have an earbud in. I don't have something, you know, yelling at me and me trying to talk over it. I can yeah. read it just like anyone else would, but then I go through it and then you can do the whole, you know, summarize the bullet points like all the sighted people do. Tend to but do yeah. I definitely agree. I think one of the most important things, even if you're doing that, is to practice. You yep. want to know what you want to say. And also most presentations that you get, especially when you get into college, are timed because they nope. have so many people going during one class period. So if they say, uh, say, you know, an eight to 10 minute presentation, your presentation should be eight to 10 minutes. And the only way to really know if it will be is to practice it. I know mm -hmm. at the end of the semester last year, I made this entire PowerPoint for uh, one of my classes and it was a big PowerPoint. And then I started timing myself going through it because it was a 10 minute presentation 
And it was taking me close to 20 minutes to get through the PowerPoint. Yep. So yep. then I realized I had to cut some half. slides. I yeah. had to, yes. And so, and I had to also think more about paraphrasing what I was saying instead of going so far into detail about each thing that I wanted to talk about. Right. Yep. So I think practicing is really important. Practicing with a stopwatch is really helpful. Practice using a braille display if that's what you're going to do for your actual presentation so that you know how all the navigation is going to work. And if you don't want to use a braille display with a piece of technology, write it on paper, write down slide one, title, bullet points, slide two, and that way you can still have it. So practice exactly how you're going to present and then make sure you're within your time limit, make sure everything makes sense. And if you've done that several times, it's going to be really easy for you to stand up and say whatever it is you're going to say in a way that is really clear and easy to understand. I agree with all of that. I also usually present with a braille display. I will take my braille sense and kind of crossbody it. So it's like hanging a little bit above my waist and then I can read with it like that. So I'm not trying to like hold the thing one-handed. I can have both hands on the braille display and yes, me too. uh, Things like that. I don't use the PowerPoint viewer like on my braille sense, I actually make a separate word doc and I will copy and paste the text and titles of all the slides into that. And then if I am going to like add elaborations on things that are on the slides, I don't write it out word for word because like Cole said, memorizing that is going to get bad, but I will sort of Mm -hmm. make presenter notes for myself below the text of each slide. I also in the past have taken the big index cards like I think they're like five by seven index cards and just Mm -hmm. brailled quick summaries of my slides on those and hole punched a corner and put like a binder ring through it so that I could Mm -hmm. hold that and just just flip flip it back as I was presenting and that worked really well but Mm -hmm. it is extra time you're going to be brailing cards and that's an annoying process that it's probably best avoided if possible. Something else that is a really important tip is to make sure you're familiar with where you're expected to be standing yeah, for yeah. the presentation. Oh, yes. If you can get there a little early and ask the professor if they can give you just a quick orientation of where you need to be in relation to everything else. I also usually will kind of look at the professor and say, am I uh, in a good location or do I need to move? Yep. Right yep. before I start presenting, I because the time, last yeah. thing you want to do is be in a really weird spot and not know it. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's really awkward. <laughs> yes. No, super, right. super awkward. And if yes. you need a guide, ask for a guide. Like it is better to say, Hey, can someone put me where I need to be than to be in the wrong place? In my opinion. Another thing that I did in my public speaking class, because it was a point of emphasis for speeches to look you know, at the audience and stuff like that. What I did is once I was situated in where I needed to be, I had the person who was farthest to my left and farthest to my right say something. So I had a reference of where they were. Oh, that's and really smart. Smart. Yeah. And I so like then, that. and so then I would kind of just do a, you know, a scan knowing from where to where I need to be looking right mm-hmm. now, of course, I'm not going to be making like the eye contact specifically that a lot of people will do, but at least it, I've got a reference of where people are. So I don't ever look way too far to the left or, you know, way too far to the right or something like that. Right. Right. I absolutely agree. And I think also if you're totally blind, something to keep in mind is 
you want to be looking at your audience, regardless yep. of if you're being graded on it or if it's on the rubric, be sure that your head is held high, that mm-hmm. you're standing up straight and that you're facing your class. Yep. I've had several teachers offer to let me just present things from my desk. Me too. And personally, I don't Mm-mm. recommend ever doing that because you want to show that you are capable and that okay. you can do anything your classmates can do. And you definitely can stand up and look at the class. So even if you need to practice in front of a sighted person, giving your presentation and standing straight up and looking at them and having them tell you if you start to like, if your head starts to drift down or if you start to rock or something that, you know, some blind people just do yeah. that, you know, they can help hopefully stop you from doing that so that you look really confident and put together when you're presenting. Definitely. Also just dress nice, look yes, nice, yeah. wear your favorite outfit, be confident in what you look like. And, you know, again, those things may not be on the rubric, but they are going to affect how your teacher and your classmates look at you be sure your hair looks nice, your teeth are brushed, you know, hopefully you're doing that every day anyway, but, but you know, be sure you, you look extra good when you're going to be standing in front of people and giving a presentation. Yeah. Presentation day is not the day to show up to class in sweatpants. (laughs) Yeah, No, for sure. I mean, you don't have have to look business casual. You don't have to look super, super professional or anything like that for most classes, unless they want that, but look like you tried Make sure that yes, you're in yeah. a shirt that isn't stained with ranch dressing um, <laughs> or, or like maybe don't wear your holy jeans. Maybe, yeah. you know, wear a nicer pair of jeans and even just like a university t-shirt is right. um, better than just looking like you didn't try um, because it's going to make a better impression. And the sad reality of it is people don't expect blind people to be able to give a good memorable confident presentation Mm -hmm. they see you as a blind person first and you as a student second a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and your goal when you're presenting even if the presentation has nothing to do with blindness is to look like a super confident as put together as possible person who can get up there and present just like everybody else in the room except somebody's got to click through the slides for them Cause you can, yes, you can, you absolutely yeah. can. I also, another thing to keep in mind for guide dog handlers yep. is to practice your presentation with your dog. Yeah. Yep. Put your dog in harness. Even if you're doing this in your home, yep. I did this in the living area of my apartment, put your dog in his harness and do your presentation start to finish with a stopwatch running. If your dog gets out of position, fix it and start over from the beginning because your dog also needs to be professional and not be moving. And most Mm -hmm. guide dogs are going to be fine at this, but they do need to know what to expect because a lot of times they're in a position that they're not normally in when you're presenting. Like I have my dog lay at my feet parallel Mm -hmm. to my body and I put the leash under my shoe. Yep, Yep. And that's a different position from what he usually does. So you need to make sure you drill that and then if your dog does get out of position and decide to start sniffing around because suddenly you're at the front of the room and there are new smells <laughs> in the middle of your presentation yeah uh this happened once and only once <laughs> yep. to me you're gonna have to resettle your dog because saying i'm sorry let me settle my service animal before we continue 
is more professional than just letting it happen. Yep. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we leave the topic of presentations, should we maybe take a second to discuss actually making them? I think because that's a good idea. <laughs> I have done some interesting things. Um, I, I believe Caitlin also has. <laughs> I will top anything that you two say. I promise you that. <laughs> yes, I definitely believe that. So uh, you want to start us off with your horror story and then we can talk about. I would be delighted to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So I took virtual comparative psych over the summer and comparative psych is about animals it's like animal behavior and how it relates to like human psychology and the different studies that we've done very 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 cool class and an absolutely fabulous professor love her uh so it was a super good experience but our final part of our final we also had an exam was to give a presentation on a specific animal and like their habits and like pick a specific behavior that is very specific to that animal and analyze it right in a powerpoint presentation and we had to give like a 10 minute presentation over uh we were using blackboard collaborate for the class right okay so i'm like i got this i will make a powerpoint it will be fine (laughs) and we had to have one picture of the animal on the last slide so i did my presentation on scops owls and I Googled Scops owls and I found a Google image and the recognition stuff told me there was an owl in that picture and it should have been a Scops owl because that's what I typed into Google images. And I even <laughs> asked the professor, I said, hey, will this picture work? And she said, yeah, that's fine. Somehow, <laughs> some way, the image that made it into that presentation oh, no. was not a Scops owl. Oh no. It was an alligator with the <laughs> caption, American murder log. And I submitted that, and the professor was like, uh, Caitlin, I have so many questions. Thank goodness it didn't make it to the class. She caught it and helped me fix it, but I was like, oh. I am so sorry. I was I'm so, so worried. blinded. I don't have an answer. I, I was so worried that you were going to tell me that you took that to the class. No, no. It oh. didn't, thank goodness oh it didn't God. make it that far. And I would have been clueless. <laughs> I would have been babbling on about, look at this adorable skull <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yeah, yep. so I had a similar situation once where we were doing a collaborative slideshow and the best option for me and the person I was working with was Google Slides, which is not good. Um, no, no. But I told her that I would do the text and then she asked, I had done all the text and she was like, cool, we just need a picture for, this was a food safety class. She said, we need a picture for our slide on choking. (laughs) And Uh and I said, okay, well, maybe I should look for like clip art because we don't want to be too, you know, violent or anything or too graphic. Um, And so I (laughs) searched choking clip art (laughs) and I showed her the picture and she glanced at it and she said yeah it looks fine just paste it in the slideshow and I'll put it where it needs to go so I did that and then (laughs) a few minutes later she says uh Macy (laughs) this picture is not the Heimlich or someone choking on food this is someone choking another person (laughs) 
Oh, this is why I should not be in charge of pictures. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. So uh, general consensus, I think, is that you should never, ever be in charge of putting your own images in your own slideshow. Have, it will not end well. Have a sighted person review it if you need to. Tell them that you will buy them coffee if you need to make sure. Like if it's a solo PowerPoint and you want to just have somebody make sure that You've got the correct pictures and where they need to be. Um, yes. Just, just make sure you double check before you absolutely go to class. And I prefer to have someone double check it anyway, even if it is totally. all text. Yeah. Just because mm-hmm. I have accidentally resized slides before, not known it. Oh, uh, stuff yes. has ran off the edge. There's always something. There's when something I make a presentation. that can go wrong. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think. Uh, well, Cole, do you use PowerPoint or do you use, do you use Keynote? Um, I've used PowerPoint. Okay. Well, Caitlin and I both use Keynote. We have a video have on our- I also used PowerPoint. Okay. I've used PowerPoint like once, but mm-hmm. we have a video kind of on how to use Keynote on our channel and Cole might put like a how to use PowerPoint video on yeah. our channel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like in Keynote, if you're not interacting with the text- if you don't interact with the text box and you hit the keystrokes that should scroll by like anything, it moves the yep. box and you have to be really careful and like try to Ooh, undo it. Uh, so definitely always have someone, always have someone check that. Definitely. A safe bet in Keynote is the title and bullet slide. That one will probably format itself fine mm-hmm. and have very minor issues with it. So if you can use that, and also I've been told that the gradient theme in Keynote looks super cool and super professional, no matter what you do to it. That's a good one to use if you're just making like a generic slideshow that you are going to give a presentation on and it's text and things like that. So Mm -hmm. definitely recommend that. But yeah, if you're working with pictures, get help. (laughs) Yeah. It's test time. Exam time. Woo! <laughs> all right. Yeah, at this point, I think we have all taken more than our fair share of exams of various types. So yep. uh, let's share our best test taking tips, even though I'm sure we all end up in crunch time and just kind of wing it yep. anyway. But yeah, what's your ideal like test taking situation and tips for that? Well, we already talked about kind of our best tips for studying. And I think studying, right. those are the most important, you know, don't, don't wing it on a test. <laughs> you have to go into a test blind, but don't go in blind. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> don't, don't be a double blind. Yes. Yes. So I think the most important thing you can do is prepare yourself because yep. that's going to ease your anxiety. It's going to, you know, it's going to make you more confident and obviously it's going to make you more likely to know the right answer. So yep. That's super important. But once you're in the testing room, I think the most important tip that I have is just take your time. Like at the U of A and really any college, you're going to have extended test time. So you're going to be able to get the accommodations you need and use it, you know, use it all because there's no point in rushing through and it's just going to stress you out more. I think that's one of the most important things for me everything for me is a mind game. I don't know. Some people are different. Some people can walk in and do these things, but for me, well, a, like I said, if I feel like I'm going to do well and I feel confident, I'm much more likely to 
do well because I'm not stressing out. But B, <laughs> when I get into the test room and I start panicking, that takes a lot of my time and it takes away from my focus. Yeah. So I think, oh, yeah. you know, get up that morning, have a chill, relaxing morning, maybe glance over your study guide again if you want to. Don't if you feel super confident about it. And then just go in, take your test, knowing that, you know, regardless, no matter how you do on it, it's not, the world will not end if you bond it. Oh yeah, yeah. And I feel like knowing that is going to help you a lot. I, I don't know. That's a me thing though. That kind of cuts down on the anxiety thinking, okay, the worst thing that can happen is, you know, <laughs> maybe I have to retake this class. Yeah, I, this is going to sound weird. I enjoy taking tests more, <laughs> more than I enjoy doing homework. I had a class my freshman year. There was no homework. There were no projects. It was four exams, including a final. Oh, and that was like it. A nightmare. Yeah. I, that was my favorite class of the semester. I don't like papers. Again, I, I like exams. And yes, you know, that does kind of can impre- increase the, the pressure there. But in classes like that, there are a lot of ways to, because the test is the only thing you're focused on, right? right? You don't have to worry about doing these side things. And so you can always focus on preparing for that test, taking good notes, asking the professor. The like number one thing you can do is get an idea of what is going to be asked on the mm-hmm. test. And so knowing those things going in, of course, is going to make you feel way more confident going in being like, hey, I'm ready to see this question. And when I see that question, I'm going to fist bump because I know what the answer is. When it comes to like the actual day of testing itself, I usually that morning, you know, make sure I like to eat before I go. Um, some people aren't mm-hmm. really big breakfast people, but I think eating is important just before you go. And then I like to listen to music you know listening to whatever music you like to listen to while you're relaxing waiting to to leave to go take your exam i think is really good whether it's you know relaxing music or if it's music to kind of get you pumped up or whatever whatever it is to kind of get you in the state of mind that you like to be in yeah so i have a no cramming on test day rule okay i do my best to not have to cram the day before mm-hmm. i try mm-hmm. the week of the test to spread out my studying so that I'm not like rushing through my studying yeah, because Mm -hmm. it's always better when I spread it out and I don't have to like panic study. Mm -hmm. Um, If I do end up cramming, it's fine if I cram the night before. It's fine if I'm up until 2 a.m. studying the night before. Yep. It is not fine if I study over coffee in the morning because Mm -hmm. I will obsess over it until the very last minute before I take it. And it doesn't help me. I, I mean, studies have shown mm-hmm. that that doesn't help you. And I'm just going to be exhausted before I get there if I do that in yep. my experience. Yep. So I'm allowed to work on other things for other classes. I'm allowed to read. I can listen to a podcast or a YouTube video or whatever I want while I'm drinking my morning coffee and like doing whatever I need to do before I go. But I'm not allowed to open that study guide. And yep. I will let myself open it like once I'm at the testing center waiting to be in a testing room and look over it one more time, but I'm not going to cram for it. And that sounds counterintuitive to some people, but I think it really does help me. And then once I'm in the testing room and I'm taking the test, I don't skip questions Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. skipping stuff and scrolling back with a screen reader is just really, really. It can't take a long time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm afraid I'm going to skip stuff and forget about it and not see it when I go back through. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even if I don't know, I make stuff up and I write it there on the spot. And then when I finish everything on the paper the first time, yep. I go back through then you go and back. I reread yep. it. And if I decide it's stupid, I fix it. But yep. I just very systematically go through and I know how long I can allot for each question and still be within the time limit. So I right. make sure I don't go over that, but I don't like skip and go back and only answer the stuff I'm confident in the first time because screen readers are annoying. So yes. Yeah. I agree with everything that both of you guys said. I like Cole, how you said you should always eat the morning of your test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even yeah. if you're not a breakfast person, because the thing you may not realize is that for your finals and midterms, especially with your extended time, you may be talking about a three or four hour oh, test. Yeah. Oh, like sure. they are Eight long. Hours and then, for linguistics. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. Like it's lunchtime by the time you get out of there. You don't want to be sitting there hungry. I actually did that on the final that I uh, stayed up studying for the day before I took all that. I did all that stuff last semester. And then I'm sitting in there and then my stomach is growling. And I'm just like, this is not what I need right now. I've had four hours of sleep and now I'm hungry too. Like just, you know, eat something, eat something that will hold you over if you can, like peanut butter, oatmeal, or something that's going to give you a lot of energy. Um, (laughs) And then I loved the listening to music part too, because that really can get you into the mood that you need to be in that will make you most productive. And it can help you release stress, especially if you're like me and music is kind of your go-to. Like it can help you just just take a second, sing your favorite song, do a little dance around your dorm room, you know, whatever, just do something fun and let yourself- Yeah. And like Caitlin said, I personally allow myself one read through of my study guide on test day, just because (laughs) again, I'm the person that I need to feel hundred percent confident when I walk in. So I read it all. I know that it all sounds familiar and then I close it. Like that's all I can do. I don't get to quiz myself. I don't get to do anything, but I get a single read through. So if you need that, (laughs) uh, definitely take it. But I also definitely don't recommend like cramming cramming on test day because it will just make you exhausted yeah you'll be you'll be too tired by the time you get in there and those exams like we said can be up to four six eight hours I mean I've I've had some very very difficult accounting exams that were just grueling and if you're exhausted going into that it's just yeah I mean it's just hard to make it we about ready to wrap this up I am I think we're about ready to wrap this up. Anybody got any last minute words of wisdom or encouragement or commiseration? (laughs) (laughs) Assignment insurance. Really helpful. Keep it, have it. And uh, that'll be, that'll, that'll, that'll save you. (laughs) Make your professors love you. Yep. Yes. Professor contact, uh, contact them before the class, contact them during the class contact them after the class if you really liked them and tell them thank you because you might have them again and they will appreciate it yes yep for sure also just as always like don't forget that you can college yep is crazy college is stressful going from high school to college uh you learn a lot of things about yourself which i am definitely not qualified to talk about because i am still learning but um (laughs) right yeah like you can, you can come, you can get the grades that you want. You might mess up a few times. You might end up not sleeping for two weeks to get everything done. And you might 
end up really, really struggling and maybe having to retake a class or two, but you can do college. Yes, you absolutely can. I always tell people that college, especially for blind students, especially for blind students coming from smaller high schools, is a sink or swim situation. And you're probably going to dog paddle through your first two semesters, maybe three or four semesters. But at the end of the day, you're going to keep your head above water. It's going to be okay. Even if you hate every second of the process and question every life choice you have ever made, you can do it if you really want to do it. And you should try to finish it if that is really what you want to do with your life and like your big goal. Always yeah. keep your goal in mind and keep working towards that. Even if it's awful and even if you take some C's and lose some funding and really struggle along the way, at the end of the day, the struggle is probably worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've definitely had my head dip below water a couple of times and uh, <laughs> <laughs> had to hit the bottom of the pool and then, you know, bounce back up and, you know, get back above water and, 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 and keep, keep paddling. So, yes. You know. And it's okay to say, I got to drop a class and it's okay to say, I have to drop a degree and change my entire course of my future. And just (laughs) completely, you're going to feel like you're falling off the rails if that happens, but maybe you're just getting on a new track and that's where you really need to end up. I mean, I dropped an engineering degree six weeks into my freshman year. It's okay to ask for help. Yes. um, When you need it. Go to the tutoring office if you need that. Uh, it's okay to take it slower, to drag your degree out for longer. It's okay to have to drop and make stuff up in the summer. I mean, I yeah. finished my first semester with eight credit hours and managed to pull myself up and keep funding by taking more summer classes than you should ever take at one time. <laughs> right. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> do not recommend that ever and don't take an <laughs> intercession course if you can avoid it but I did and I am still here to talk about it and haven't lost any more scholarship funding and yeah, yeah uh it's doable even if it feels like you're just completely messing up your entire future and no longer know where you belong in life it's gonna be okay most people change a degree at some point in their college career so it's true you're just joining yes. the ranks anyway With all that being said, I think we need to stop now because this is entirely too long and we are going to hate ourselves when we have to edit this. (laughs) Hey, but you'll be able to give one heck of a presentation after listening to this. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, you and you definitely will. (laughs) And hopefully write a paper and pass some tests. Yes. Yes. And manage (laughs) your time. Yes. With all that being said, we are going to wrap this up at last. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Challenge Solutions Podcast. Please share it with all of your college student friends. If you have any questions or suggestions for future content or school-related tips of your own, please leave them in the comments on any of our platforms or send us an email via the contact form on challengesolutions.org. Remember that you can subscribe to our blog, podcast, and YouTube channel for more content like this. All those links are in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening and stay tuned for the blooper reel. It's 2022, people. Omicron is here. Sure is. We have all gone through the gamut. How do I transition? Moment of silence for Caitlin as we've lost her.
Oh, that wasn't the thing you were going to talk about? Oh, my bad. Kaylin, are you there? Is it just me that can't hear her? Or no, no, I can't okay. hear her either. Okay, okay. She's gone. She has flown to the mountains. Uh, quick note of reminder. She is our host. Yes, um, yes, that is. She's also the one recording this. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for the reminder. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like continuing may be, fut be futile at this point. Yes. Sometimes I feel like life is futile. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I know a couple of therapists. <laughs> Go to college, kids. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> hey. Hi. I, I. I. How was your vacation? Did you have a nice day? It said. It told me that my network password was invalid. Oh. Oh. And then it. It tried to automatically update Microsoft and restart <laughs> my computer. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Start everything against my will, so I I had to go turn a lot of things off and yeah, it's fine. We're still going, I think. You want to talk about your linguistic <coughs> situation? <coughs> <coughs> yes, I need to offer the disclaimer to all of our listeners that. Macy and I spent the last two weeks with Omicron, and I apparently still have a cough and thought I was over the congestion, but woke up with it again this morning, and that's why I'm like this. Woo, Rona. Yeah. Today's podcast is sponsored by COVID-19. Yes. <laughs> We've all visited COVID-19, and honestly, rate it one star, would not recommend, yeah. but... Yeah. Definitely would give it zero stars on Yelp. Oh, um, sorry. Not, what? Mason <laughs> thought you died again. Oh, no, no. I was chewing popcorn. In all fairness, Macy has lost Caitlin and I separate times. <laughs> Macy's like, are they gone? You guys are giving me abandonment issues. <laughs> or at least giving you some commiseration. Com 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 <laughs> <laughs> or at least giving you some commiseration. <laughs> I was drinking when you did that, and I almost spat. Sorry. To the microphone. Caitlin, what word were you trying to say? Commiseration. I was real confused. I said commiseration. Realized what I'd done, and then stuttered over. I need to blow my nose. Okay. I will mute myself this time. I made Caitlin listen to it. <laughs> I'm back, but I feel like my mouth is full of spit, so please tell me if I'm making weird mouth noises. Okay. Caitlin, are you here? I don't know how to come back from that. Uh, I'm making my mic make weird noises because I said <laughs> What? <laughs> I can touch my mic in this place and it makes a weird noise. Oh, yeah, it, <laughs> go, it, go bu it go buzz buzz. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if that's an electric current going through my body. Hey, I, I have got to pee right now. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do this. All right. Vehicle, oh. sorry about this. <laughs> Man, I get abandoned every time. Hello, internet. I was gonna try to say something funny, and then I couldn't think of anything. 
is why we could never do a live podcast. I don't think it would ever work. Have you guys ever noticed that the print division sign is actually just a fraction with the dots replacing the numbers? I wonder how many people in the world currently, like what percentage of people don't know that the numbers on a toaster just represents how many minutes that the item is being toasted. What did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have so many questions right now. I, I said a lot of things into the open void of the internet. Well, I was scrolling slack on the toilet, as you do. I need a... I don't know what I need. You need a cough drop is what you need. <laughs> Take some I Dayquil. Something stronger than the sparkling grape juice I'm drinking, that's for sure. You have to go at a specific time? No, I was just waiting until I can take more painkillers. <laughs> hey, I'm using them responsibly. I'm waiting the four hours. That's why I'm not taking them now. Also, this is ibuprofen, not anything Yeah, I was about to say, this is not illicit. I have a weird scratch on my forehead, and I have no idea where it came from. I have multiple scratches from your coffee table and your dog. I'm sorry. Woo! Ooh, killed that intro, or outro. Dang it! <laughs> killed that outro. That was good. Good outro, yeah. I did good.